Good morning, everyone. Matt LaMarche here with Keller Williams First Atlanta and Selling Sandy Springs. Hope you guys are doing fantastic this morning. It's Tuesday, June 25th, and uh, we're coming back at you with hopefully what's going to be a daily <laughs> daily episode this week. Um, trying a little challenge here. I was uh, challenged by someone to do a daily podcast this week, and um, I actually think we're going to be able to do it. Um, I've gotten some great feedback through Instagram, which if you guys aren't following along there, um, are you okay? No, just kidding. <clears throat> Excuse me. At M-L-A-M-A-R-S-H, at M Lamarche. And, um, I put a sticker out there yesterday. <laughs> Sorry. This is just funny to me. Um, I put a sticker out there yesterday for show ideas in terms of, um, you know, what you guys would like to hear um, from me on, and I got some great responses, so we're actually going to touch on one of them today. Um, one of my uh, followers on there, um, Mr. Roman from uh, the Porsche dealership, actually wrote and gave me a couple of great ideas, so we're going to touch on one of them today that I think would be really um, good for you guys to understand, maybe, or good to hear from me on um, in terms of real estate. And it obviously uh, is pretty relative to my to my industry. So he asked, um, what does it take to be a good buyer or what to expect um, along the buying process um, when you're when you're going to buy, whether it's your first home or your second home or your 20th home? Um, and this is a great question because everyone's going to have a different perspective. My, um, you know, input here today is probably going to be a little bit different than most. But I think what I'm going to tell you guys today is pretty much a lot of common knowledge and a little bit of common sense in that, um, you know, purchasing a home is very, it's very tightly wound with personal finance. And so the two of these things kind of go hand in hand. And so if you're, if you're, um, financial, uh, emotional financial intelligence is very low, you have the propensity to make dumb decisions, um, when it comes to money and certainly when it comes to your first home, you get emotional, you get tied up in the, uh, the what ifs, and that is not at all what you want to do. You want to think very, very level headed about this. It is a business decision. Yes, you will live there. So it affects your personal life. But at the end of the day, if I could give anyone the biggest piece of advice, I think when looking for a home is do not get emotionally invested until you're living in the house. Um, treat it as a business decision, treat it as a, is this going to be good for resale? Is this going to be good for, you know, the next five or 10 years that I'm planning to live in this home or however long, you know, you plan to live there? Uh, the NAR, um, the National Association of Realtors tells us that most people, the average person moves about every six, seven, eight years, the average being seven. So, um, if you're going to be in a home for seven years, you really need to think long and hard about the location, the schools. I mean, there's so much to take into consideration when looking at purchasing your first home or any home for that matter. And I think a lot of people get tied up with the backyard or with the kitchen or with all of those things are changeable. You can change all of it. Um, does it take money and time and effort for sure? But all of that stuff is changeable. The location, and it's why they say location, location, location in real estate. The location is generally one of the first things. Is it close to work? Is it close to the park? Is it close to what you like to do? 
And I'll share a little story about how we found our house here in Sandy Springs uh, when we moved eight years ago. And maybe that'll give you a little bit better context context for why I say patience and location, location, location. Because while location is important, it's not the only thing. It just tends to be the biggest thing that people think about. Um, so when thinking about, you know, your, your next home or your first home, one of the big things that I can recommend is definitely patience. Um, eight years ago, we purchased our home that we're in now, and it took us about two years. And we probably looked at about close to 200 different homes in this area. And my wife, who was a realtor at the time, I told her I wanted to be east of 75, north of 285, and west of 400. So for those of you that live in the metro Atlanta area, you know that that's a pretty decent size area. It's East Cobb, Marietta. It's Sandy Springs. It's a touch of Dunwoody, um, you know, down on the on the south kind of corner over here. And then it's uh, Roswell. And so, you know, I knew this area was blowing up in terms of uh, opportunity. And I knew that there would be a lot of great things that were going to come out of us moving here. Um, and fortunately, eight years later, I can actually say that that was actually one of the best moves we've ever made. We uh, started looking in 2009, actually, kind of at the bottom of the market or what we thought was the bottom of the market. And, um, you know, just to be very candid with you guys, we looked at $250,000 homes up to about $350,000 homes, which at the time was pretty reasonable. Um, This is, again, you know, nine years ago, 10 years ago that we started looking. And the number, the sheer number of homes that we looked at. And when I say 200 homes, I mean, we actually physically went and looked at 200 homes. It wasn't like we just looked at them on Zillow. I mean, Zillow wasn't even near what it is today in terms of the, the pictures and the content that you have available now. Um, but my wife, who was an agent, had access to the uh, MLS and would go in and would look at the pictures. And so all in all, we probably ended up looking at like 500 homes online and then actually going to look at 200. Um, but all of that, just to say that the two year process, we, our process was she would look at it online. If she liked it online and liked the pictures, she would then send it to me. If I liked it, then she would go look at it in person because she had the time. She had the flexibility. Uh, we were living up in Ackworth at at the time and we're trying to start a family and all that stuff, but she had the time to go out and physically actually look at a ton of these homes. If she liked it in person, then I would go look at it in person. So we were very intentional about our process. And on the weekends and stuff, when we had free time or when I wasn't working, then we would go look at 8, 10, 12, 15 homes because she had a key box and she could get into all these homes. Um, and we uh, we kind of knew what we wanted. And that's like my next biggest tip is once you figure out your location, once you figure out your kind of non-negotiables, start to put your kind of what would you like to have, right? So step one, find your location, find the biggest, almost non-negotiable thing, whatever that is for you, whether it's location or a neighborhood or swim tennis or whatever you're looking for. Your one non-negotiable that you're kind of narrowing your search down. And the second thing is put your kind of must-haves on there. So whether it's a renovation uh, that you want to see done, you know, if it's got a new kitchen or new bathrooms or if, uh, you know, if it's got hardwood floors throughout or whatever your kind of must-haves are, I would put three or four of those down. Then I would be willing to negotiate on that because, again, that's changeable. So if you find a great house that's a great deal, um, but it doesn't have hardwood floors, you can do hardwood floors. Five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 will get you hardwood floors throughout that home or at least one level of that home. Um, 
But the other big, big piece of advice that I could give you with uh, including those kind of must-haves is that, yes, everything is changeable, but think three, four, five, seven years down the road where you don't have to move in and do all this stuff immediately. You know, it's an investment. You need to think about it long term. So when it comes to those projects, when it comes to those renovations, think outside the box in terms of what's the must have or what's the most important thing for you to have the minute that you walk into that home. Is it move-in ready in your opinion or is it going to need some work? And then take, you know, depending on your budget and depending on how handy you may or may not be, if you're willing to kind of handle some of those projects on your own, or if you're going to have to hire it out, labor is one of the biggest expenses that comes along with these home renovation projects. It's not the materials at all. Yes, the materials can be expensive, but the labor is really, and that skill is what you're paying for. So those are the first two things to consider. Going back to our story, after looking at, I don't know, 100, 150 homes, we were starting to get a little bit frustration built up because of the process, not because of the homes, but because of the process. We found a lot of homes that we uh, had made offers on, had been outbid on. I mean, you guys have to remember that at this time, the the prices were still dropping. So the first home that we looked at, I think was $325,000. By this time, you know, 125, 150 homes in, you know, we're basically almost completely through 2010 going into 2011 and that price is now 285. So it's dropped, you know, $60,000, $50,000 and it's been, you know, basically 6-8 months. Um so it's dropping $10,000 a month. So we were watching that and going, okay, we just need to be more patient cuz obviously the market's going down, which means the values are going to continue to go down, which means we're basically going into a buyer's market. And basically, for for those of you that don't know, the buyer's market is basically where there's a ton of inventory. The buyer is in the driving the driver's seat and can dictate a what prices are, but b how quickly homes go because everyone thinks real estate's all about the price of a home, and it is absolutely not just that. Definitely, that's a big piece of the puzzle. But I tell people all the time, what are the terms? <laughs> because if I offer you exactly what you want for your house. You might go, oh, great, yeah, I'll take it. But then if I tell you, oh, by the way, I want you to fix the roof, or I want you to replace the roof, and I want you to redo the kitchen, and I want you to spend, you know, $100,000 on this $300,000 home, suddenly my deal doesn't sound so sweet, right? So don't think about real estate just in terms of price. Think about it in terms of price and terms, because those terms can dictate what you have to do or what you don't have to do in order to get that price accepted. Um, so for us, as we kind of got through this process, all that frustration that was building up was really due to the process. We had made some offers that had been rejected or not even counter offered. And we thought maybe those sellers still thought that it was a seller's market, right? So we just moved on. We didn't get emotionally attached. This was just a business decision in the short term for us to make the best financial decision that we possibly could to get the most house in the best location for the cheapest price possible, which is what everyone's trying to do when they buy a home. So as you begin your search and as you start to think about um, the type of home that you want, it's it's important to keep these kind of two or three things in line, right? Location or again, whatever your non-negotiables are that you have to have. And then beyond that, kind of your must-haves that are negotiable for now and for later. So 
those hardwood floors, the renovated kitchen, that type of stuff. If it doesn't have it now, understand that if you got $20,000 off of a house, would you apply that to a kitchen and get exactly what you want? Um, all that does is lead you to a place where you can begin to negotiate and get exactly what you want for the price of exactly what you want. Um, so when thinking about your first home, it's really important to think about the location. It's really important to think about those non-negotiables. It's really important to think about how long you're going to be in that home. I was uh, in a buyer consultation the other day, actually, with a first-time home buyer. Um, he's currently renting, and he said, you know, Matt, if I'm only going to be in an area for two or three years, does it even make sense for me to buy a home? And I flat out told him, because it's the truth, <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. If you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're only going to be in an area for two or three years, and I don't mean guessing. If you're like, I'm getting a better job, I'm moving to a different area, uh, it doesn't make sense for me to keep a house in this area for three to five years, you do not buy. You rent. You continue to rent. And not a lot of agents will say that, but it's the truth. Because by the time you pay me my commission, by the time you pay your seller's agent a commission, by the time you pay for inspection and all of the things that go into that process, you're going to end up maybe breaking even, but most likely, 9 out of 10 times, unless it's just a super white hot market, you're going to end up losing money. The buyer and seller commission, generally speaking, and this is not true of every single contract, you have to hire a realtor, you have to get someone that knows how to dig into the contracts. The general consensus, and this is not my opinion, this is just what I've seen so far, is that the buyer's agent gets 3% and the seller's agent gets 3%. Are there instances where it's 5%? Yes. Are there instances where it's 4%? 100%. Absolutely. Are there instances where it's 65 or 7% or 8%? Absolutely. I mean, I think Open Door and Zillow and a couple of these other kind of what we call iBuyer programs are offering, you know, 8, 9, 10%. Um, of the transaction to them as a as an agent. So that is the first thing that you want to kind of look for is what am I paying for? What am I getting? And so if you were to hire me as your buyer's agent, I'm going to go through that contract and figure out, A, yes, how much I'm going to get paid on the deal because I want to make sure that obviously I get paid. But in addition, I get paid my normal 3% or my 2.5% or my 3.5% based on the size of the home and the price of the home and the amount of work that's going to have to go into it. Um, and so that's kind of your next thing is when you're looking at buying your next home or your uh, first home, the first step in the process is to dictate all of these um, criteria for yourself. But then logistically, when it comes to the next step, uh, you need to go get pre-approved. You need to figure out what you can afford. And just because someone writes down a number on a piece of paper and says you can afford this, does not mean that you go buy that house that's 600000 or 300000 or a million. Um, that is just their pre-approval that's telling you what, you what they think you can afford. You know what you can afford. The general rule of thumb, if you follow Dave Ramsey or any of his content um, or preachings, <laughs> if you will, is that you shouldn't spend more than 25% of your monthly income on a mortgage or rent or utilities and all of that stuff combined. So if you have a home that's $100,000 and you make, uh, let's say, $5,000 a month, no more than, what, uh, $1,250 should be going towards your rent, your mortgage, your utilities, all of your living expenses, right? Now, having said that, I think 30% is a stretch. I think you can do it. 
I'm never ever going to tell someone that they're good, bad, or otherwise in doing so. Um, but from what I've seen in personal finance, every time you go above 30%, it becomes a stretch, it becomes a, a tougher uh, position to be in, and you don't want to be in that position, and you're, especially in your first home. In your second home where you've got a little more equity or you've got some um, you know, projects that you can do to increase the value, maybe it makes sense to do 30%. And you know it, and you know the neighborhood's going to be super hot or something like that. I mean, that, there are so many things to consider in this process. But outside of setting your criteria, you go, you get pre-approved, you determine what you can afford or what the bank tells you you can afford to purchase. And the reason you do that is because a lot of sellers won't even let you in the door of their home until they know you've been pre-approved to afford their home. It's wasting their time. If you can only afford a $300,000 home, but you're looking at million dollar homes, you're wasting your time and you're wasting their time. And that's honestly one of the best pieces of advice I can give you. Go get pre-approved, figure out what you can afford, work with a realtor that's going to help maintain what you can afford. Because as soon as you find a realtor that's like, oh, yeah, I know you can afford up to 300, but let's look at this one for 325 or 350. And you're looking at yourself going, or you're looking at them going, but I can only afford 300 and that's my budget. Why are they taking you to look at, it's a waste of your time, their time, and now the seller's time. Don't do that. It's just a bad practice. So anyway, once you get pre-approved, you work with a realtor, you start to search, you start finding what you, again, where you want to be, what you want to be in, and try to keep a very level head when it comes to, um, again, the projects within that property, the finishes. If you're the type that you just want to move in, you're never going to touch anything and it's going to stay the same for the five, seven, ten years that you're there, totally fine. Just understand that that house is going to age. It's going to take paint. It's going to take some sort of updating to make it appealing ten years from now when you go to sell it. That's the next biggest piece of advice. You make your money on real estate when you buy it, not when you sell it. When you buy your house, you get the best deal possible you can. You spend the money to update it and upgrade it like you want, but understanding that that may not appeal to a lot of people when you go to sell it. Um, again, I'm just trying to like shotgun approach this. I wasn't really like laser focused on one or two things. I'm just thinking all this stuff is rushing into my head <laughs> as I speak. And I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of great tips here, but I'm just going to throw it all at the wall and you tell me what sticks. Um, so get pre-approved, start looking at homes, find your realtor, find someone that you can trust. A realtor is supposed to represent you as a fiduciary. In other words, they're supposed to represent your best interests, even if it's not in their best interest. So if you said, hey, Matt, I'm starting to look at homes. I want you to be my realtor and I'm looking up to $300,000. I'd say, fantastic. Um, would it be okay if we found homes that were 250 that fit, you know, that fit your criteria? I want you to make the best financial decision because if I got you a great deal at 250 instead of spending 300, you're going to go preach about how great Matt is, right? And you're going to go tell all your friends and all your neighbor, all your new neighbors and all your old neighbors, man, Matt is a great realtor. I told him my budget was 300, but he found me something for 250. Now, is that always possible? 100% no. <laughs> but I'm going to act as though this is my house because in a way it is. I'm acting as your fiduciary. I'm trying to get you the best deal possible in the shortest amount of time possible and get you instant equity in that home. And that's really one of the biggest goals that I have for you guys as home buyers is how can I make this transaction as smooth as possible 
as as easy as possible? And how do I reduce the amount of stress and anxiety and fear of this process as possible? That's really my goal and why I got into real estate. I saw a lot of realtors that I thought were just not doing a great job. Certainly a ton of people in this industry think of themselves first before they think of their clients. And that's just a shame because it should be the other way around. When you hire me, when you sign on that dotted line that you're going to hire me to help you buy or sell your home, I'm acting as though you are an extension of me. I'm trying to do the best I can for me and for you at the exact same time. Simultaneously, we're going to get the best deal possible, whether it's buying or selling. Um, so anyway, what else here? What else? What else? What else? There was something else I was going to mention. I'm sure it'll come up on Instagram stories, but, uh, anyway, I think that's good. That's about 21 minutes there. So, um, I hope there's something of value there. I hope that's enough to kind of pique your interest on the process. If you're renting now, thinking about buying, please don't ever hesitate to just reach out, shoot me an email with a question. I love talking with buyers because, especially first-time home buyers, because they don't know what to expect. You know, you read these headlines about, um, well, if you're if you're renting, you're throwing your money away. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> you could be making the greatest investment of your life. Um, you could be buying time, which none of us can buy, to be in a home or be in a place where you love to be, and the location's great and everything else. And you don't have the headaches of, of home ownership, right? Um, there is a time that it makes sense to rent. And do I think it's right forever? Absolutely not. If you know you're going to be in an area for any, again, any more than two, three, four years, it absolutely makes sense to purchase if you can afford it. Um, but if you're only going to be there for a year or two and you're moving to South Atlanta or to Timbuktu, do not buy a house. You're going to probably lose money. The averages are stacked against you unless you're in a white hot market and the prices are going up at such a rate that you can afford to basically pay double commissions. Because again, think about it. When you buy a house this time around, you're going to pay two, three, four percent, whatever on your side this time. But then 10 years from now or two years from now, you're going to have to pay those commissions again. So it's not 6%, it's 12% now. So if your home hasn't increased 12%, over the next two years, you're losing money. It's just a fact. That doesn't even include the other costs associated with an inspection and an appraisal and any damages or renovations or repairs that you're going to have to do in the next 24 months. So really think about that before you get engaged with a realtor, before you get engaged in this process, because that's the biggest thing that can help save a lot of frustration is you may look at homes for two years. Um, like we did, and find your dream home and find the dream location. But just understand timing is really, really most important. The next biggest thing I could say, actually, I'm glad I kind of continued on this little tangent. <laughs> the next biggest thing I could say outside of the patience and, and finding your non-negotiables and working with a realtor and getting pre-approved is if and when you find the house like we did with our house, um, you have to to just make an offer. And you have to be in a position to make an offer. You know, whatever the earnest money is, if it's five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, you have to be willing to put that down during the due diligence period. Again, if you've got more questions about this, just reach out to me, shoot me an email, matt at mattlamarche.com or 678-687-4397. Shoot me a text, say, hey man, I heard the podcast. I got a question about the home buying process. I'm just going to shoot you a text or call you or email you back and say, here's what it is. I'm not going to say, when are you looking? Blah, 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 blah. You tell me. <laughs> That's up to you. 
Anyway, going back. Um, what was I talking about? Shoot. Two years. Pre- oh, right. Once you find the house, the house, capital T-H-E, the house. When you find the house, you got to move quickly. And what I mean by quickly is like within minutes. With our home, my wife saw it come up. I think it was on a Tuesday morning at like 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. It came up on the uh, MLS. She called the realtor 20 minutes later and said, hey, we want to make an offer. She said, great, except that we already have one. And we're like, there's no way. No one moves that quickly. We're the fastest. <laughs> We've been doing this for two years. As soon as the house comes up, if we're even remotely interested in it, we just write an offer understanding that we can go through the due diligence and back out. That's not our goal. Our goal is to buy a home. But when we called 20 minutes after it was posted and she said it had a contract, we knew something was suspicious, fishy. So my wife drove by the home. Fortunately, the homeowner was here. She knocked on the door and said, hey, we want to look at your home. We understand it's for sale. The homeowner said, great, come on in. My wife walked in and she said, yeah, we know you have a contract. And the homeowner said, we don't have a contract. So the realtor basically lied about having a contract on the property. And so we looked at it. We made the first offer. We were the first contract on the table, no one else. And when you move that quickly, you eliminate your competition. Typically, when you're selling, your first offer is the best offer. So you know that those sellers know that. And when you're the buyer, if you're the first one in the door, they know that they've got the best shot with you. Doesn't always mean it works out, but generally speaking, the first offer, that first mover has the advantage. So one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give you as a buyer in real estate, doesn't matter if it's a buyer or seller's market, it really doesn't. If you're the first mover, if you have that first mover's advantage, you have the upper hand. You are in control and your realtor should help you with that. Your realtor should help you navigate when I'm the first one in. What's the benefit of it? What term should I include with it? What price should I come in with it, right? If you think the house is underpriced, do you go right in at their price? Absolutely not. Not in every case, at least. If you think the, uh, the house is priced right, do you offer them less or do you offer them more? It's always a strategy. You have to think, put yourself in that seller's shoes. You just listed your house. This is the first offer that's coming in. What's going to sound appealing to you? Again, remember those terms. It's not just about price. If you offer them their asking price, but you ask for a roof, they're going to kind of frown and go, mm, we think we can get better, right? Potentially. We don't know. Every deal is different. And that's one of the things that I love about this business. So I'm going to leave it there. That's a lot. 27 minutes. Holy smokes. Anyway, I am happy to help you guys. You all know I'm here to help. I'm here to be a resource. I'm not going to try to get you to sign something this week and say, oh, you asked me a question about buying. Uh, I need to get you a a buyer's brokerage agreement. (laughs) That's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is you're going to call me and you're saying, hey, Matt, I listen to the podcast. Great information, but here's another question for you. You're going to ask your question. I'm going to give you my honest answer. And I'm going to say, have a great day. And yeah, I hope at some point you reach back out to me and say, Matt, appreciate all the info. I'm ready to buy a house. Let's go. And I'll get you in touch with the lender and we'll get you pre-approved and we'll start the process when you're ready. 
I know, I know it's going to happen sooner or later or eventually. I'm not here and I'm not in this business for next week or for next year. I'm trying to build the legacy. I'm trying to build the brand around, you know, tell me you're going to rent for two more years and we'll go look at houses two years from now. Totally fine with that. I'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. So 28 minutes. Great. Good grief. All right. Sorry this one went on. I felt like it rambled a little bit. Hope it was helpful for someone out there. If you haven't bought a home before, I know it's a daunting process. I'm trying to simplify it. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. I'm always, 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 always willing to help. So please feel free to reach out anytime. DM me on Instagram, mlamarche, L-A-M-A-R-S-H. On Facebook, Matt Lamarche. You can find me. My ugly mug will be on that profile picture. Looks really cheesy. My headshot there. Um... But uh, where else? Matt at mattlamarsh.com, 678-687-4397, at Selling Sandy Springs on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Feel free to reach out anytime. I'm not going to pitch you. I'm not going to ask you when you want to sell your home or when you want to buy your next home. Just reach out. Ask your question. I'm an open book. I want to help. I want to be a resource. And I want to help you guys out. And I want it to be valuable to you. I think that this type of medium and this type of approach can work. And I'm hoping you guys prove me right because there's a lot of people telling me it's too soft. It's not going to work. It's, you need to be harder. You need to go for the sale. Yeah, maybe you do. Maybe you do need to go for the sale, but I don't believe it. Um, so I'm hoping you guys help me prove them wrong. Anyway, hope you guys have a wonderful Tuesday. Hope you're, uh, hope you're enjoying this podcast challenge. This is a lot of work, but I'm enjoying it. I like the kind of free reign that this allows. So um, anyway, hopefully three or four or five, six more episodes this week, trying to do two a day, but that's going to be a challenge. So we'll see, but I got a good one to come up for tomorrow. Uh, actually two good ones for tomorrow. So hope you guys are enjoying it. Hope you're following along. Really appreciate all the support. Thank you so much. If there's ever anything I can do for you, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. I want to help you out. Hope you guys have a great rest of the day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.